Welcoming you into Pick and Pod. I am Vinny DeBellis, joined by Jackson Heil, Peter Hudek. Guys, what's going on? Can't complain. Um, again, the NBA in uh in November is a bit tough to watch, in my opinion. But I'm a more big college basketball guy. But again, still are some big storylines we got to get to. So excited for the show for sure. I'm ready to talk hoops. I'm ready to overreact about some teams jumping out of the gate hot. Are we over? Are we ready to react to Dwight Howard? <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever be ready to react to Dwight. <laughs> no Howard. Dwight Howard talk today. But we're at the quarter mark of the season. It seems like with the right 21 games, 82 game season, if my math is r- roughly roughly the quarter mark, and the Toronto Raptors, as I'm just looking through the standings right here, 17 and four. Now I expected when they got Kawhi at the beginning of the year, I thought they'd be better off, and some people were not on that ba- bandwagon. They thought with all his theatrics last year that he just wouldn't be a productive player, that he'd be belly aching the whole year. I thought from the jump that they'd be better off. I did not think they'd be as good as 17-4. and four. And I think at this point they've proven themselves as the best team in the East with the Celtics sort of struggling out the gate. I think it's it's their East to lose. Would you guys agree with that at this point? I don't think you can disagree with that at any point. I mean, obviously the Celtics have stumbled out of the gate for sure, and they have tons of question marks. Even with Brad Stevens there, you, you really don't know what you're getting from the Celtics at this point. And I think it's very safe to say that the, the Raptors are the best team in the East because, I mean, listen, like you said, I don't think anyone thought the Raptors would be this good, partly because I, I'm i not sure anyone knew the commitment level of Kawhi at this point because of especially how things ended in San Antonio. But, I mean, you combine him with Lowry, they have tons of athletes on that team. I mean, they People talk about Boston being the pinnacle of defense in the league at this point. The Raptors aren't much behind because you probably have the best, arguably the best individual defender in the league in Kawhi. You have tons of athletes all over the floor who can defend pretty much anyone. I mean, they, they have guys, they can defend the one through five position pretty much. I'd say at the one through four, obviously, it depends who they play at center at this point. But again, yeah, they can score, they can defend. They're really well coached, even with Drew Casey out of there. I, I've been very impressive. I'm very impressed with the Raptors thus far, and I, I don't think there's anyone really contending with them at this point, even if Boston does figure it out at some point. Yeah, I know a lot of people were worried about the Raptors because they didn't know whether Kawhi would play or not. And I was never really worried about that because Kawhi sort of had to play. He couldn't afford to take two years off, especially on a contract year. I was more worried about Kyle Lowry. Because he was sort of, he was really good friends with DeMar DeRozan. And mm. after that trade went down and they talked to him at the USA basketball camp, he was sort of cagey with reporters, didn't want to talk about it. But he's been a total professional. His assists have jumped from 6.9 to 10.4. Wow. That's a huge jump. He's been a real playmaker for a team. Nick Nurse has really gotten that offense flowing. Yeah, I, I mean, you bring up a good point there that I think the only thing that people, the, the, the reason why people would have said the team wouldn't be as good this year is the chemistry, the chemistry issues. You know, Kawhi, I mean, uh, DeMar and Lowry being so close that maybe it wouldn't work out. But if you look, Kawhi Leonard, would you guys agree, objectively far better player than DeRozan? DeRozan's no slouch. I don't think think people realize how big of an upgrade Kawhi to DeMar DeRozan is last year because I think there's a lot of recency bias when you look at that because Kawhi didn't play last, played, what, nine games last year? And obviously the whole dilemma with San Antonio kind of takes away from how talented he is, but... I don't think DeMar Rosen is a very is really a very good player, to be completely honest with you. I mean, I thought he was obviously kind of prompted up because, listen, he had he touched the ball so much when he was in Toronto and had, had a real kind of Robin to go with him in Kyle Lowry. But Kawhi Leonard's a freaking top five player in the NBA, and you could really yeah, argue th- top three at this point behind I'd LeBron and KD. I'd probably have him KD. three. Yeah, I, I think that's very fair. And 
I, I really don't think people realize how big of an upgrade that was when it happened at the time. I mean, like you said, you're getting a top three player in the league as opposed to DeMar DeRozan, who I, I think you could very much argue he's outside the top 20 or even top 30 in the league at this point. Yeah, I'd probably have him somewhere in the 20 range. But I think the important thing with the, the Raptors is also that they have that same supporting cast that got, did as well as they did in the regular season last year. It's not like they lost that. I mean, yeah. Dwayne Casey, I don't think, should have been fired. I think most people would agree with that. But the supporting cast is intact. LeBron is not in the in the East anymore. So I, I think the Raptors could definitely have a, a real successful run in the playoffs. Other big storylines in the East thus far, Philadelphia 76ers, just, I, it's not the team we expected to see at this point in the season with the Jimmy Butler edition as well as Markel Fultz and all of his troubles. I mean, what do you guys make of Fultz? Is it time to cancel on him, or is it is it too early at this point? They got to get rid of Fultz. He's just bizarre, like his whole career trajectory, uh, what's happened these first two years. And I don't think he's a good um, influence on the locker room. You know, he's had this. he had this bizarre summer with his trainer, Drew Hanlon, where he would say one thing and then the trainer would say another. And now it sounds like he's grumpy. And, you know, if he's asking for a trade, he's not a player who's good enough to be asking for a trade. And if he thinks he is, then they should get him out of there. I, I completely agree with you. And I also just think it's more of a kind of product that Fultz doesn't have a future in Philadelphia. I mean, obviously we've seen how that relationship has kind of staggered the, since the moment he's got there. That dude just needs a fresh start. I, I don't think there's any other way around that, and I, I don't see any future that he has in Philadelphia. And it's so bizarre being a number one pick. I mean, kind of rem- reminds you of the Anthony Bennett a few years back, but I think he, he was sort of a head-scratcher at the time. Fultz was the consensus number one guy when he went yeah. in the draft. No one was saying, oh, Donovan Mitchell should be the number one guy. It's like, no, Fultz was clearly the best player by all executives, all GMs at that time. So it's not like Philly was taking a, a gambler, taking a long shot. Maybe it's the pressure. Maybe, I, I think the best thing for Fultz, uh, best case scenario, is it's an injury and that he needs time to just heal, heal up, take a year off, take however long off as he as possible. But there has to be a mental component component to it at this point also. I mean, I, I forget what game it was the other day. Some... So, football game where they're mocking him doing the end zone celebration oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Free throw. Throw. you see that so yeah. i mean that like like that hurts j- just to be watching that you know he took that in so it's it's a guy who had a remarkable freshman college year and then comes into the nba and is a borderline i mean so, some people saying he doesn't belong in any nba rotation so i i think i'd agree that definitely he needs a fresh start on a new team but the question is you can't. I mean, you can't trade him right now when the value is so low. Yeah, that's also my question. Like, what even is the value for him at this point? I mean, like, well, see, he's two years removed from being the number one pick in the NBA draft. I mean, he, people. I don't think people doubt his talent. I, I think a lot of it is obviously just the mental thing with him because he's in his own head. I mean, you look at the way he takes free throws. I mean, it's something different every time he goes to the line. I mean, you you can't win when you're playing mental games with yourself like that. I just don't know what the price is going to be because I feel like you look at Philadelphia and regardless of what they do here, there's no way really in which they can win a trade with him. I I, I just don't see it. I know Cleveland showed some interest in Fultz. And, you know, maybe if you can get Corver, that's a really good shooter. Mm. He can uh, basically do what Marco he Bellinelli. He be good fit in Philadelphia too. Yeah, I mean, Marco Bellinelli was really good in Philly and now he's gone and Corver Bellinelli, you know. they Covington gone now too. Covington, they lost some shooting. Maybe they can gain it back. Yeah, so sort of last team I want to touch on here in the East, apart from, of course, the Knicks and the Nets. Milwaukee Bucks at 14-6. and six. 
Um, Giannis has a pretty good case for MVP maybe this early in the season if, if he improves a little bit. But I know his name was definitely being thrown around there, especially early, five or ten games in. But 14-6, and six, they sit in second place in the East right now. And my issue with the Bucks in past years from – I mean, everyone, it seems like NBA nerds have been saying the Bucs, they're, they're legit. They're going to be real good for the past few years. They took the Celtics seven games last year in the playoffs, so I was impressed with that. But for me, it was always just lack of offense. They get into the playoffs, and they're brutal to watch. Just watching any of their games is, is – yeah. I mean, they had some fun games with the Celtics last year, but it's not, a, it's not a fun team to watch. It's a really good defensive team, but as good as Giannis is, he's not that the – type of playmaker that that a KD is for instance that you can get him the ball and he's going to he's not that shooter. He can get to the bucket, but they don't have that one player for me that's going to go out, get you 35, 40 points in a playoff game and put the team on the back offensively and I need to see that in a in a catalyst for a playoff team in order to uh have them in the finals and for me that's what li- limits me with the Bucks. I don't know how you guys feel about that. They don't have the shooters that you need to go deep in the playoffs for sure. Um like you said, I mean, you can't have a star in Giannis. I mean, obviously Giannis is great, and there, there's no denying what he can do. But for me, I don't think you can win in the NBA when you don't have a star that's also a great shooter. Because when you have a star like, obviously, like a Durant or a LeBron, because you look at LeBron before he developed his three-point shooting, the, he really couldn't really couldn't do a whole lot. And his team, I should say, in Cleveland, they couldn't do a whole lot because he couldn't shoot, partly because he didn't have the talent, but... I also look at this Milwaukee Buck team, and like you said, they can beat you in dogfights, but I don't know if they can win a shootout. And obviously with scoring up in the NBA this year, like you said, Vinny, I just don't know if I can see a team like Milwaukee competing with some teams, like say, like especially if Philadelphia goes out and gets another shooter. I just don't know if I see that in Milwaukee. And I love Giannis too. Like I'm not trying to take anything away from him. But yeah, again, I just I don't know if I could see them basically winning shootouts in the playoffs like they're gonna have to if they want to get to the finals I do really like Milwaukee this year you said they lost the Celtics in seven last uh last year they should have won they were the more talented team the Celtics didn't have Hayward or Kyrie and you know that's the difference when you get Mike Budenholzer that's a guy who won the East a couple years ago his best player is Paul Millsap (laughs) so when you get when his best player is Giannis you better believe they're going to be a good regular season team I don't know if Milwaukee is going to be able to make the finals but I have the feeling this is going to be like a coming out party for Giannis where he's going to go deep in the playoffs maybe drop 60 in an Eastern Conference game you know something crazy he's a really good player he's a top five player I think Giannis is the next star in the NBA so he's still got to develop a three-point shot for me though because I I mean I know he's gotten better as the years have gone on I'm gonna guess what 25 maybe he's definitely young and I mean he, he definitely has the profile certainly to do. I mean, he's he's twenty three. Yeah, wow. So he so he, he is time he's got to, time to do he's it. He's a year but, older than Donovan Mitchell. But I'm I'm looking I'm looking at this year specifically. We're talking about right now. Fair enough. And I still don't see Milwaukee as better. It's definitely not better than Toronto. And I'd also say definitely not better than Philadelphia. And I still have confidence in Boston to figure it out at some point. So I still think they're about the fourth best team in the East at this point. And like I said, Giannis does have a ton of time to develop yet. Like you said, he's only 23 years old. There is time to develop the three-point shot. But I do have to see it at this point because once he develops that, it just opens them up so much differently offensively. And they could still use another shooter for sure in Milwaukee, which they, they still might do. But, you know, you know would be a great fit there is Bradley Beal. I mean, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, if they, they'd be able to discussed. add him as a star to go alongside – that would just open up so many different dimensions to Milwaukee's offense because, I mean, they definitely need a shooter, and he Bradley Beal is exactly that. 
And also interesting stat with the Bucks if we're going by point differential this year, they're plus 11.1 in terms of points scored versus points against. No other team in the whole NBA is above 10, so they're they're winning games by the largest margin of victory. That has to mean something. But before we come back to Knicks and Nets, because we got to talk Knicks and Nets, um, Western Conference. I, I looked at the standings today for the first time in uh, a few days at least, and I was pretty shocked. We got Clippers followed by Warriors, then the Nuggets, Grizzlies. For those to be the top four teams, I don't, I don't care what anybody says, no one had those coming into the season in the whole world as your top four in the Western Conference. And, you know, I, I'm the type of guy who doesn't overreact at this point. Seeing the Thunder fifth, that, that makes some sense. But the Rockets at 9-10, and 10, the third worst team in the whole West, um, but the Lakers at seventh at eleven and eight. I mean, the the real shocker for me is the Rockets. But just all together, my take on the the standings in the West is that it's too early for anyone to really panic. And the crazy thing also is that from the, the Clippers being in first place to the Jazz, who are second from last, what separates those teams five and a half games. So everyone's really close together. I'm not overreacting at the Rockets being under five hundred at this point. I still think they'll be top four, top five team. But are, are there any of these top teams that are sort of the shockers to you guys, the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, that you can see sustaining this level of play throughout uh, the spring and into the playoffs? I'm a big believer in the Nuggets. Okay. I, I love Jamal Murray. He He's probably the least talked about. I'm not going to call him a star yet because I don't think he is at that level of, say, a Damian Lillard or a Kyrie Irving. But one of the more underlooked or, or overlooked, I should say, point guards in the entire league. Nikola Jokic is what everyone thinks Kristaps Porzingis is. <laughs> he he's he's a top 10 player in this league and they 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 throw def- they throw so many different types of schemes at you defensively. And once again, similar to team I was talking about before in Toronto, tons of athletes on that team. Gary Harris can defend in so many different ways and he also can score the basketball too. I really love Denver, and they're so well coached. Also, there, I mean, you look at them right now, third in the West, thirteen and seven. Listen, I'm not sure if they finish in that top four, so to speak, but I think they're 100 percent a playoff team, and I think they definitely have the scores to maybe. I'm not saying they're going to beat Golden State or even if Houston figures it out, but I think they have the talent to give almost Golden State some trouble in a playoff series because. You look at a guy like Jokic, he's great. Murray's great. Harris is great. They defend so well. I don't see why this team can't, say, go to the second round or maybe even the Western Conference Finals at this point. Yeah, you like Denver. I like the Clippers. This is a team that's almost the opposite of the Celtics, where there's a lot of like all-star caliber players on the Celtics, and the Clippers have a lot of these borderline fringe, never going to make an all-star game. In their best season, they'll be like a snub for the all-star game. And I think people forgot how good of a coach Doc was, just because he was such a terrible president. But he was a he's a good coach, and when he doesn't have to worry about those responsibilities, he can really you know get this team motivated and playing the way he wants. And this is just a team that's become smart. They were a dumb team in Lob City that brought in Paul Pierce, Nick Young, and now they're being run by Jerry West. And I know Jerry West gotta be smiling that the fact that he's above Golden State in the Western Conference. That's a great point you make about Doc Rivers, for instance. I didn't really think about that. How you go back maybe a decade ago, people are regarding him sort of consensus, one of the better coaches in the NBA. And over the past few years, it's been forgotten, or some people are not really on the Doc bandwagon anymore, saying uh, all, all the stuff about him and Austin Rivers bringing in his son and that 
He you was, know, he was bad at bringing in players when he was the yeah. president. So well, that made his team worse. And that's and something it, that people know. can't really separate, a president versus coach. But it's uh, two totally different things, totally different skill set to do both things. So it's sort of like being a head coach and offensive coordinator of the same yeah. team. Or even even more. Like, it's, it's and, two separate skill sets. And they, they defend really well, too. I mean, Avery Bradley is one of my favorite players in the entire NBA because he gives every guard he he goes against trouble. I mean, it does. It doesn't matter who you put him on. He's gonna he's gonna give teams fits. Tobias Harris, Long Island boy, is a really good player. Also, I mean, they do have the talent. Like uh, you were talking about before the show, Montrez Harrell. He's a monster off the bench. I mean, he plays thirty minutes a night. He can score inside. He can defend pretty much every position. I mean, he's awesome. There, this team is deep, which I think cl- the Clippers haven't had in a long time. When you mentioned they were when they had that Lob City sort of kind of mojo. That was a team that was really top heavy. I mean, it was it was Blake, Paul, DeAndre Jordan, JJ Redick, and then really not much else outside of it. They can go seven or eight deep, even nine deep at this point, and kind of interchange whoever you want there. This this team is really talented and can throw a lot of different looks at you, which is which is one of the things that has really impressed me about the Clippers. Yeah, you start talking with the Rockets, and I I think they'll rebound. I definitely think they'll make the playoffs. But the, I didn't like the Rockets off season at all. They gave Chris Paul long contract, and everyone in that kind of draft class is kind of you know floating away like Melo, D Wade. They're kind of the only LeBron who's an alien is still playing well, and they're gonna <laughs> have to be paying Chris Paul like forty million dollars when he's forty one or something. And they gave Clint Capella a big contract. I don't like paying guys who can't dribble or shoot a lot of money. We just talked about Montrezl Harrell. Yeah. That guy, they found him. They're paying him $4 million. He basically does the same exact and thing th- as Clint that's Capella. that's what made Clint Capella so valuable is he was making little to no money yeah. and was one of the most effective defenders in the NBA. Now you're paying him so much money. He's not as valuable. He's nowhere near as valuable as what he is. And I, I think that was part of the big appeal towards Capella. I mean... Offensively, Capella is definitely a liability, even though obviously he can finish inside. But without Harden and Paul running the offense at their best, Capella is pretty much worthless on the offensive end of the floor. And what do you get? Five years, eighty million, something like that. It was. It's a lot of it money. didn't make a lot of sense to me. And also, Melo is Melo is kind of the definition of toxicity with wherever <laughs> he goes. And good thing that he's gone. But I, I, I'm honestly pretty happy to see that Houston's kind of faulting with with Melo there because I, I just I can't stand him. Yeah, so I still definitely going with the Warriors in the West, but it'll be interesting to see whether the Clippers, Nuggets, Grizzlies, any of those teams can stay around for the playoffs because I think that'd be fun to root for an underdog in the West. But now we'll move it back over to the East for some New York Knicks talk. We are the New York Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. We are the New York So the Knicks at seven and fourteen right now, fourth worst in the East. Or I, I should just start saying I, I keep saying fourth worst. They, they're eleventh in the East. That's probably a better way of phrasing it. Um, seven and fourteen right now, but winners of their last three. And I've gotten to see the Knicks live a few times this year. And you know, even though their record I don't think is going to be great, be shocked if they made the playoffs this year. One, they shouldn't be trying to make the playoffs as a franchise, even though I, I get it. Every every guy on the team wants to win. Coach wants to win. I'm not saying the, the guys there are tanking, but it, for the franchise, it doesn't make sense to make the playoffs as like an eight seed this year. That's not in their best interest. But there are some pieces there, and the guys play really hard. And racking up three wins against three quality teams in the last three at Celtics, 
Pelicans at home, and then in Memphis against the Grizzlies. Three wins that they squeaked out, all single-digit wins, and this is a Knicks team that plays hard. I've been super impressed by Hardaway, and while I don't think that he can he can be the, the best player on a play, playoff team. contender, I think that Hardaway has played well enough to ma- make – Make it clear that he can be a fourth or fifth best player on a playoff contender to be dealt at the deadline. I think that's what ends up happening with Hardaway, but the Knicks have a really? lot of great young pieces. That's my take on Hardaway. So yeah, think, like the Hard- Rockets you... or someone trade for him. Man, maybe that's not a great fit. No, I, I I get what you're saying. I just I can't see I can't see Hardaway getting dealt just too big contract. The, con- is that why? the contract is monstrous, and unless they're attaching something onto it, uh-huh. I don't see Hardaway getting moved. But again, I do I do agree with you because. If the Knicks are going to try to go out and get a star this summer like a Kyrie Irving or a Kevin Durant, I think moving Hardaway's contract is a necessity at this point just because I don't get how you fit him. Extend Porzingis at some point if he shows that he's back healthy and producing at an efficient level. I I do do agree with you that the Knicks should definitely look to move Hardaway. But like you said, I'll stick with the sentiment right now that he has been really impressive. And considering... Listen, in the past, his problem last year was efficiency for sure and kind of has been a bit of a problem this year, but that's going to happen when you don't really have much outside of outside of Hardaway because they don't have a ton of scores. But I think the big thing for the Knicks this year was also just seeing, like you said, that f- will they play hard under Fisdale? And that's been the case every night. There's no question about that. It's kind of about, one, the draft pick this year, and two, building that culture. And I think the culture is well on its way to being where it needs to be for the Knicks. Yeah, Hardaway has almost been playing well enough to uh, make that contract worth it. Not quite, not quite worth it, but uh, that's good for us because if he can look like he's worth the contract, maybe a team will take him at the deadline, maybe earlier, maybe you get him before he starts. You know, he's actually been more efficient than he was last yeah. year, and, you know, he's a he's a hot and cold guy, so if you're going to trade him, trade him when he's hot. Um, I, I'm a huge Knicks fan, haven't really been paying attention, and then I Google, and I see they've won three straight, and I'm thinking, that's no way to get Zion Williamson, that's exactly. no way to get R.J. <laughs> Barrett, what are you guys doing? We're beating the Celtics, Pelicans, and Grizzlies, those are three pretty good teams, you know, I, I want them to be close, but not winning. Yeah, they'll find a way to screw it up, give it yeah. a few months, and they'll be, they'll be back down there, I feel like, but the, the other guy who's been, impressed me in the little bit of Knicks that I've watched this year, Alonzo Trier, a guy who didn't even get drafted, how often is it that you see a guy in his first season, who really just turned up in the summer league and is playing super well, but be be averaging 11.4 on the season and making some really big late-game shots. I mean, he's been consensus top four or five player on the team this year. I think he could be an all-rookie guy. If I had an all-rookie team, he'd be on it as of right now. I mean, to to have a guy go undrafted, you got got to credit one, Trier, and then two, the Knicks uh, scouting or – front office for picking him up I, I thought that was a, a steal for a guy who you didn't give up anything for at all and I think you got to fault a lot of pretty much all other 30 teams and even fault the Knicks for not drafting yeah. him too because I mean it really doesn't make a ton of sense because you look at Trier the profile's been there since he's been in high school I mean he was a top 25 recruit mm-hmm. out of high school to Arizona he scored the basketball at a pretty incredible rate when he was there with a, as a Wildcat really didn't make much sense why he wasn't drafted because clearly the tools are there. He's good off the dribble. He can step back, shoot the three. He can beat you in so many different ways on the offensive end of the floor. It really didn't make much sense why at least one team didn't take a second-round flyer on him. I mean, and obviously we've seen what he's been able to do this year. I mean, pretty damning to front offices around the league that 
overlook this guy because he's always been able to score the basketball, and guys that can score will get a chance in the NBA, and I, I just don't understand how he wasn't even looked at in the draft. That, that, that That's just something that's kind of blown my mind. And like you said, he if you're making an all-rookie team right now, I mean, pretty safe to say he's in the top five for mm-hmm. that, no doubt about it. Yeah, big props to the Knicks scouting department. Not just Tree or Mitchell Robinson. I'm pretty yeah. sure he was leading rookies in blocks with yeah. two per game, which is pretty remarkable. He's kind of like a Montrez Harrell. Clint Capella runs the floor, plays defense, dunks. And to find those guys in the second round who play hard, that's really important. It's kind of funny. The least impressive Knicks rookie might be Kevin Knox, mm-hmm. their first-round draft pick. But, uh, and part I, of that's you know, been an injury, too. Yeah, he's I mean, been hurt. So, hurt him, he, so. You know, he could definitely turn around. Really good rookie class for the Knicks moving forward. If they are trying to lure a free agent they can you know show them those guys and be like hey we have a good young core that when you come in you know they'll be playing hard exactly and that's why i think it's most important i mean the rookies you're not you're not really looking for wins this year but it's it's almost like a tryout for other guys to prove to a kd to a whoever's free agent that i'm I'm blanking on names right now but it's a loaded free agency class to prove to these guys hey we have the pieces to make a championship run in the east now i'm a firm believer that you could put KD on pretty much any team in the East, and they're maybe the... the they'll at least be able to compete at some point. Yeah, they're point. competing for a title. I, maybe not the favorite if you put them on the worst team in the East, but they're competing. You, but, I mean, LeBron made the finals with the Cavs, so... Exactly, which is objectively, I think at this point, the worst team in, in the East, and they didn't really lose much worst other than... Worst team in the league at that matter. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. suck. Which makes last year all the more impressive what he was able to do w- with that squad. But I think the the same... I mean, KD doesn't have quite that effect, but it's pretty close, and he's got to be looking at options. There's no secret he likes the, the limelight, wants to play in a big market nothing bigger than New York even though Brooklyn and and the Knicks have both been pretty bad for a while but I think for a guy like KD there's you know he may want to team up with LeBron I think he will want out of Golden State in general in in the future maybe not this upcoming year but eventually there's going to be something a chip on his shoulder saying okay everyone says that I'm a cop out I'm a snake and that I can't win with anyone else other than an ideal situation in Golden State there's got to be something in him, the competitor that'll want to go to a team like the Knicks and win it over there just to shut everyone up. I think he really ends up doing that eventually. Yeah, I, I just can never get a read on Durant. I mean, especially after what happened in Golden State. You you just, I mean, if you cop out like he did, you got to have some sort of fire in you to go w- kind of win and prove yourself, proof it for yourself that you can win by yourself. Because clearly, obviously, and things didn't work out in OKC where he couldn't win with Russell Westbrook. He's got to prove to me, and I honestly like he's he's definitely going to be a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about that. He's the second best player in the NBA at this point. But I think for his own sake, without without a title outside of Golden State, I mean, there's going to be doubts around his career forever. And he's obviously clearly one of the most self conscious players in the entire league with the burner accounts. Obviously, the stuff that's happened. We saw the other day when he was playing in what was it Orlando. I forget where it was, but Orlando or something where he told the fan to basically shut up and yeah. watch the game. 25K. Yeah, it, which is, that was pretty funny, and yeah. I'm not going to lie. But <laughs> point is, I just I can't see Durant staying in Golden State past this year for his own sake because if you stay in Golden State and try to win another title with basically the all-star team they have, I, I just feel like that would be so damning to Durant's resume at this point because it, it makes no sense if he can't win without without these guys because he's too talented not to. Would you guys rather have Durant team up with LeBron or just stay put in Golden State? Because I think I'd rather just see him stay put in Golden State and be a huge dynasty. I mean, teaming up with LeBron is kind of just like teaming up with Golden State a couple years ago. 
Durant teaming up with LeBron would be the ultimate cop-out, and that's saying something considering he went from OKC to play with Steph, Draymond, Clay Thompson. Yeah, I, I think I would rather have him stay in Golden State, but with that said, I, I think for his own sake, he's got to go somewhere where he can build it up himself and win from the start, so to speak. I'd rather see him in L.A. just because of how crazy everyone would get. I'm, I'm the type of guy, as as mad as every, most NBA fans get when these type of super teams uh, t- take form, I, I just find it hysterical, and I'm I'm all for the just the theatrics and how excited everyone would be about seeing LeBron and Durant. Although, look, we might see it. I, I think it would be pretty cool, but uh, you can write off, just like you can write off this year's championship, just give it to the Warriors already, give next year to the Lakers if KD goes over there. So for the Knicks, um, I, I think it, it's going to be as great as they could. Look, they could be great this year. They could be awful for the rest of this season. I don't think we're really going to have an idea of the future of this team up until this offseason. It's a super important offseason. See if they can lure a couple big free agents. See if they can get a Zion, Barrett, Cam Reddish, whoever's at the top of that class, see if they can get one of those guys. But now it's time to move it over to Brooklyn for the Brooklyn Nets. Alright, so the Nets just slightly better than the Knicks at this point. 8-13, and 13, losers of three straight. And I, I'd say really the, the biggest moment of their season thus far has been a... A bad moment, losing Levert on that what what looked like a much worse injury than it actually was. So I'm glad that it's not going to take him a, a whole year, a year and a half to to get back. But it, it was just sad because Levert had been playing out of his mind, been the most impressive net so far in the season, and then, and then to see him go down, it sort of is symbolic of how the Nets franchise has been, especially over the past five to ten years. Um, so re- really sad to see him go down like that. Yeah, and I think you look at the rest of the Nets. Uh, rest of the season for that matter and listen I'm not sh- I'm not sure where they go from here because obviously the NBA trade deadline isn't something that's made a huge big deal of like we see in other sports like like Major League Baseball and the NHL but the Nets are in a tough spot right now because if they kind of continue with the talent that they have this is a team that's going to end up in the worst place you could be in the NBA and that and that's mediocre at this point because obviously the Nets have their first round draft pick for the first time and since they made that infamous Paul Pierce, mm-hmm. Kevin Garnett, Jason Terry trade, but they're in a spot right now where they're basically going to have to pray f- for ping pong balls to fall their direction if they want any chance of getting a Barrett or a Zion or a Cam Reddish at this point. Because listen, they they're what they're going to finish like let's say it sounds like around be- somewhere between 9 and 11 in the East at this point. I don't see them winning more than like 35 games, but it's also as hard with the talent that they have, like a D'Angelo Russell, and with Kenny Atkinson at the helm there, to see them losing more than like twenty-five, winning more, uh, less than twenty-five games. So, honestly, I mean, I honestly wouldn't mind to see them even try to move D'Angelo Russell at this point, just because. Listen, I'm not sure how big of a future Russell is going to have in Brooklyn, but th- listen, they're in a really tough spot right now because with Levert, you might be able to get into the playoffs, sneak in, and. That'll kind of show everyone around the league that they might be able to compete and go get a star in the offseason. But, I listen, I just don't see it with what Brooklyn kind of has become without Levert because they look like a disaster. 
they but they do have the talent to win some games. So the the Nets are in even a worse spot, in my opinion, than the Knicks are at this point. Even with uh, basically a pretty good front office with Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson there. So I, I, it's a really tough spot for the Nets for me to look at them right now. Yeah, the thing with the Nets is they're a big market team without the big market allure. Mm. You know, they'll get interviews like with big time free agents but no one will really take it seriously they kind of need someone to go there and kind of prove that hey brooklyn's you know a big market team that they can they can handle a star you'll become a big deal there you'll get all the endorsements you'll get everywhere else but uh, it hasn't really happened yet d'angelo russell has been kind of disappointing his couple years in brooklyn never really took any leaps you know spencer did when he kind of came out of nowhere and is basically having the same kind of production that d'angelo has so if they moved on from d'angelo i'd be fine with that you know lavert was dropping 20 but he got hurt so another you know unlucky thing for the nets yeah it's just a just a string of bad luck for the nets you know dating back to that Celtics trade. And with Russell being a free agent coming up in the offseason, I think it is time to move on. He's not a guy who I think a lot of top, top-notch guys are going to want to play with. I know I may, may be going back too far, but I don't think any superstar in the league has forgotten about that whole Swaggy P incident yeah. where he was the biggest rat in the world pretty much. And just I, I don't know how you can recover from that reputation. I, I still remember Stephen A. Smith's just epic rant on on him. You could chalk it up as being immature and that he's grown up from that. But if unless I'm really good friends with Russell, look, his style on the floor, he's a score-first point guard. If I'm Clay or KD or Kyrie, I'm not going to want to play with him. Yep. And then you add on all the all the off-court stuff. Look, he could be a perfectly nice guy, And but but the thing that I'll remember about him off the court, and I think most of the NBA will, is just just being a rat, an immature rat there to, and, to his friend. And the production's there for yeah. sure. Like you, you can I think you can get assets back for D'Angelo Russell at this point. I also think they should look to move Dinwiddie as well. I mean, because you look at what he's been able to do off the bench. I believe he's averaging like fifteen points per game this year, and he's a guy who can be productive on a playoff team, in my opinion. So those are the two guys that you really have to look to move if you're Brooklyn, in my opinion. I, I know it kind of puts them in a tough spot going forward if they want to try to kind of recruit stars, but they're in a spot right now where I don't know if they can recruit those type of stars, players. I mean, I think the best they can look at right now is kind of guys on kind of the spectrum of being really good players and superstars, maybe like a Tobias Harris type. But again, I, I don't know where that I don't know where Tobias Harris kind of puts the net at this point with guys like D'Angelo Russell and Spencer Dinwiddie and a Karis LeVert who's healthy. I still think they're kind of at the bottom of the playoff kind of picture in the East with a guy like Tobias Harris next year. But if the, I think their really only chance of kind of restarting things is if they move a Dinwiddie and a Russell and kind of get some draft capital and kind of go from there. Yeah. Um, if they want to be considered for KD and Clay, you know, D'Angelo Russell, like Nick Young played with KD and Clay last year in Golden State, and you know those guys in the locker room talk. So I'm sure they don't like D'Angelo yeah. Russell either. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you can get a GM who will talk himself into the potential of D'Angelo Russell, and you'll probably be able to get a couple good assets for him, and I think that's what they should do. Yeah, so David has a Stephen A. rant that we're going to play real quick. I haven't heard it in a while. but You want to. As a, man, as a man, you don't do that. Under no circumstances do you infiltrate 
yourself into somebody else's business and, and, and discuss or reveal their private personal affairs, particularly when it comes to women. You turn the other way. You didn't see. You saw no evil. You heard no evil. You know no evil. Shut the hell up. Mind yep. your business. Step off and move on. Yeah, so and that I pretty much sums up everybody's feelings on it. I, I grew Stephen A. There, but is that his debut on the pod? Is that Stephen A.'s debut on the pod? <laughs> as long as I've it. been here, but That's who knows? So awesome. I know oh Iggy was probably with him for. Uh, she appreciated D'Angelo Russell. Everybody else was was probably pretty pissed at the whole situation. But going back to your point, Jackson, about mediocrity and the the being, especially in the NBA, that's the worst place yeah. you can possibly be. They don't have a top thirty player on the team, and they're just not exciting. Well, why would I want to come to a Nets game? There's no player on the team that drags me onto the floor. No matter how how many times Billy tweets about the Nets, <laughs> you know, I, he tries to make them seem so interesting, and I, I just can't. I, I don't want to see. I respect the effort at least. I can at least respect Me too. the effort. And he's so dedicated to it. It's not a yeah. shot at him whatsoever. Yeah. But I just, I, I don't want to go see Joe Harris and Hollis Jefferson play. You for, don't want to see Nets. Jared Allen's you know? afro? It, no, not at all. He- 1.6 blocks a game. He's had a great year so far, so no disrespect. But they're just not exciting. They're not an exciting team. And yeah. you got to respect what Sean Marks is trying to do there because it seems like every move that he's done there has struck gold. I mean, with finding D'Angelo Russell for Brooke Lopez, who's hasn't really done much in the league since he was traded to LA and then obviously he's finding he's, some guys. He's shooting threes for the Bucks. I did see that. That that but again, you you get the point. Get, getting a guy like Russell for Lopez I think was a steal in my opinion. Getting a first round pick and taking on Kenneth Reed. He's used a salary cap to his advantage unlike any GM we've seen thus far in the NBA, but again, like you said, even though the top of the draft, I'm still not a, I'm not a huge believer in Zion and RJ Barrett personally. Obviously the athleticism's there, but they can't beat you from the outside, and when you have athletes in the NBA like LeBron, who can, and plenty of others as well, I, I think stopping Zion and stopping RJ Barrett is going to be relatively easy. I think in the NBA, unless they develop from the perimeter, but still, you look outside of that, you, you you're not going to find a ton of productive players. I mean, you, not productive players, but you're not going to find stars in that 10 to 15 range. It it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me as to how they can compete while saying in this kind of range of mediocrity, they have to blow it up at some point or really make a run for a star at this point. And listen, even if they have the opportunity to sign a guy like Tobias Harris this offseason or even try to trade for an Otto Porter, I know that's one of the possibilities uh, that Billy has brought up. It just doesn't make much sense to me why they would because it's just going to put them in that purgatory area again. Otto Porter, another non-exciting player. That yeah, they like, could like have who to wants to watch at least, Otto At least Porter. if they draft Zion. I mean, I think New York, New York will show up to like watch a couple Zion like, games. Like I, I, I he's love, exciting. I love Tobias Harris, and I, he's, he grew up like 20 minutes from where I live. But like, who the hell wants to watch him? Yeah, he's not that exciting. And we just got an update from our producer, David Spampanato, that Billy's latest tweet is that Jimmy Butler really enjoy, was it really enjoyed Brooklyn in in quotes really enjoyed it so maybe they get yeah, Jimmy Butler in the offseason probably that's because he had a game winner yeah him. but Jimmy Butler seems like he would be sort of the perfect borderline superstar not that exciting superstar but I, I guess borderline superstar that would fit with the Nets so if there's I mean, one at least guy he that, would draw fans he would sure. he would yeah. yeah. But he's he's not. I, I feel like I'd rather have Clay. I'd ra- obviously rather have yeah. KD. They'd be more ex- exciting players. But you want to not only be exciting but win games. And I, I can't see the Nets doing that. Um, you, you guys have any final thoughts on the Nets or just the NBA in general before we the, the, call it a quit? The, yeah, the the NBA needs to find a way to draw more fans in the in the early going of seasons. And I think part of that 
they've done a little bit of that this year with kind of the whole Jimmy Butler saga, and that has kind of dragged along, and LeBron being in L.A., but I can so I can understand fans that don't want to watch the NBA until basically April because what's the draw to it? You you basically know how the standings are going to file out. Obviously, there's been some surprise teams in the West early on, but like we we know Golden State's going to end up on top in the West. We know Houston's going to figure it out at some point. What's the point of watching the NBA kind of in these first three months of the year? I I don't see it, and the NBA's got to find a way to draw fans to that aspect of it. Yeah. yeah. I think fantasy basketball, just going off of your whole, because uh, because I totally agree with that. that uh, and the, the people I know that are just obsessed with the NBA from October on, they're huge fantasy basketball fans. And I know pretty much no one over like twenty three years old does that at all, you know. <laughs> but but if they could somehow fi- just invest more money into fantasy fa- basketball, because it's gotten to a point with football where you can't skip a, a game, you can't skip yeah. a week, you have to watch every single game. One, because you're interested in the NBA, NFL does a way better job of keeping people interested. But also, just with, with fantasy, you need to check up. if, if you're, Every week's important. There aren't too many games. So the NFL has it figured out. The NBA should try to take some notes. I think invest in fantasy, however that may be. But there are just too many games to, to make that worth it, I guess. I'm just over here, like wondering what. Still thinking about Dwight Howard. I just need <laughs> answers. And that, I need the, answers, yeah. Dwight. Let the people know that that person who snaked him is a fraud. I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, we they, they about look before, like a I, fraud. They tried to snake Playboy Cardi, also, which is. Oh, man. Yeah. What, what is what David's crazy, playing us off? I guess he doesn't story. want us to That'll talk do about. It. It. Don't blame him for pick and pod for Jackson Howe, Peter Hudak, and David Spampanato producing. This has been pick and pod.